Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox. Thank you for joining me. We are officially post-2021 NFL season. The Super Bowl wrapped up on Sunday in Inglewood, Los Angeles. And the home team once again prevailed uh, two years in a row now that the home team in the Super Bowl has won the game. Conspiracy theories afloat everywhere, of course, but I'm not sure it was the most surprising outcome. Um, Lots of thoughts from the game. We're going to get into all of it. We're going to talk about the MVP. We're going to talk about what that means and sort of get back to the idea of understanding um, defensive football in the NFL in 2021, 2022 and beyond. We're going to talk about the narratives for the quarterbacks in this game, both Matt Stafford and Joe Burrow and sort of what we learned about both those players in the Super Bowl this year. And then we are going to hit on before we leave what this means, what this game portends for the future of the Bengals and for the future of the Rams. And what can we expect? Very early predictions about what we can expect from both of these teams heading into next year and next season and beyond. First, uh, uh, a couple of quick sort of immediate quick thoughts about the game. I don't know how everybody else feels. I know that a lot of the people that I've talked to and listened to have the same sense that I did, which was this game was not the best that the NFL had to offer. Uh, We saw much better playoff games this postseason. And that happens, you know, that happens sometimes, not all the time, um, but it does happen sometimes that the Super Bowl is simply not the best game that we've watched in the postseason. And this was certainly the case this year. Um, it wasn't the best that the NFL had to offer. Neither of these teams played at their best in this game. And so uh, there was, it was slightly anticlimactic in that way. Even after the first half, there was just a sense that like whoever wins this game is going to win it, sort of eking it out. And, uh, and we'll get into more of how the game went, obviously. But I would say, um, especially after last year's Super Bowl, and I just think the last couple of years, the, the game itself has been a little bit underwhelming, but at least with last year's Super Bowl, we really felt like I think the best two teams in the league were in that game. I'm not 100% sure that was the case this year. I think that the Rams were probably, at the end of the day, the best team in the NFC, considering the fatal flaws of their biggest competition, the fatal flaws that we saw in the Cowboys. And in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and some of the other stuff we talked about all season, obviously the quarterback flaw for the 49ers is probably um, their biggest downfall. And then with the Packers, like as per usual in the Aaron Rodgers era, we can't necessarily always put our finger on what's going wrong. Seems like Matt LaFleur is a really good coach. We know that Aaron Rodgers is an all-time QB. They had a really good roster, great defense, like all of the stuff that you need and they keep falling short. Uh, so I, I can't argue against the fact that the Rams were probably meant to be in this game, but again, also a very flawed team. That's okay. Just, we didn't get the best of what the Rams had to offer, uh, you know, compared to the games that they played against the Niners and the Bucks, just wasn't quite there. And the same obviously can be said for the Bengals, especially after the game that they played against the, uh, Kansas city city chiefs in Kansas city. So because of that, this game really was about narrative. It was, and, and that is again something that happens a lot going into the Super Bowl and even during the Super Bowl. It's about the narratives more than it is about the actual game. Uh, can Matt Stafford finally, you know, fully redeem himself from over a decade of languishing in Detroit? 
can Joe Burrow pull off this Tom Brady-like resurgence in his second year and carry this team to a victory? Obviously, in this particular case, it would have been really extraordinary because unlike Tom Brady, Joe Burrow doesn't have great, exceptional coaching or uh, the best defense in the league, although the Bengals defense certainly was underrated. Uh, this is a the, the very young team without a real core on either side of the ball. Um, whereas Tom Brady did have a real defensive core going into his first Super Bowl run and beyond, right? So it was about those narratives, and it was there were some manufactured narratives as well, right? Will Sean McVay go into broadcasting after this? Could he retire? Things like that. I cannot tell you specifically who the source is on this. Um, but just believe me when I tell you that the McVeigh narrative about him potentially retiring to go into broadcasting or whatever, um, that is a business ploy more than anything. And I think everyone kind of understood yesterday that there was something a little off about that report. There's also the rumor that Aaron Donald may retire. That one's a little bit more likely. He's an undersized defensive tackle who's been playing at a very, very physical position and overperforming and he's been the best NFL player in the league for a long time now certainly the best defensive player in the league for a long time uh he put a lot you could see emotionally and physically he's put so much into this postseason run and he was certainly the most dynamic player on the field start to finish in the game we're going to talk about that more could he say this is the perfect time for me to hang it up save my body from further destruction. That would be a little less surprising. Uh, Von Miller sort of indicated after the game that he didn't think that this would be the best time for Aaron Donald to hang it up. But he didn't say, you know, Donald had told him absolutely not. It was just more of a uh, opinion on the matter. So we'll find that out, you know, as as the offseason progresses, maybe sooner than later. You know, McVay overcoming the massive mental and emotional hurdle that he's been trying to overcome since he lost the Super Bowl three years ago to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. We know going into this game, he had talked a lot about how hard he'd taken that loss, how much he'd overthought the game going into it. I think he really thought that he had a chance to beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots in that game. And they were uh, out uh, undone really by Belichick's defensive plan. And I think that there were a lot of uh, demons to be exercised for Sean McVay. I'm not a hundred percent sure he proved himself as the in-game coach that we really want to see uh, moving forward, but you don't have to always be perfect. And uh, McVay's role on the team is a sort of cumulative one. He's a great strategist. He has a great um, NFL mind, a great offensive mind, and he always builds a great coaching staff. And those are the things that have put, the team in a place to be in the Super Bowl. The execution in the Super Bowl from the sideline and was very similar to a lot of the stuff we've seen from Sean McVay over the last few years and certainly over the last few games, which is questionable decisions, um, an inability to get the run going and then going to the run at wrong times. Um, no major, major, you know, timeout issues or anything like that. But there's just, he left a little bit uh, out there. And we'll talk more about that again. So those are some, you know, first thoughts, just like, this is kind of where my head's at going in. I am really happy uh, that both these teams, regardless of whether they were the best teams in the league or not, were in this game, because it did switch it up. It was a, a, a fresh Super Bowl experience for us, right? No 
no Niners, no Bucks, no Chiefs, none of the teams that have been in the last couple of years. So it felt fresh again. And that's really cool. You know, there there is some, still parity in the league because it's so damn difficult to win even one playoff game. A lot of reports coming from the game that the Bengals post game, you normally see a really dejected team, like a team that seems to sort of be questioning their entire existence. The reports, you know, post game from people who were there said that the Bengals seemed to sort of know that they were playing with house money, that this was an opportunity that they maybe didn't necessarily ever expect to have this year, maybe even by next year. So the, there was a little bit of we're happy to be here. Um, not that they weren't competitive, not that they didn't want it, not that they didn't go in planning to win, but they're extremely young. And this was a massive opportunity for them to make it this far this season under the conditions that they did, you know, there was a time when we didn't know if they were even going to make the playoffs and there they were. So, you know, two, four seeds making the Super Bowl. Like this was just a, it was a fluky kind of situation. And overall, even though it wasn't necessarily the best NFL product, it was still really fun. So let's get into my first full topic. That stuff coming up. And that is the topic of Aaron Donald. And Cooper Cup winning the MVP over Aaron Donald, who many thought, including myself, should have been the MVP of this game. The first thing you have to understand is that the Bengals went into this game, and so did the Rams, knowing exactly where the, the biggest mismatch was for any team on either side of the ball. And that was the Rams' defensive line against the Bengals' offensive line, which has been really bad. Uh, it was bad in the regular season, it's been really bad in the postseason. They've had a really hard time stopping anybody from getting at Joe Burrow and pressuring him, which is why he's been sacked so many times. And that hasn't created a, a sort of a robot in Joe Burrow who gets the ball extremely quickly. One of the quickest release times in the NFL. And he had to be even quicker than normal last night. The Bengals went into this game knowing we don't have the soldiers to stop Aaron Donald. And so just before the, even the first snap of that game, Aaron Donald was in the minds and in the heads of those players and that coaching staff. He already had the mental edge. You need at least two guys, if not three, paying attention to Aaron Donald, which leaves, you know, you're volunteering at that point to leave Von Miller, you know, up against one guy. Von Miller, one of the best pass rushers of a generation, a former Super Bowl MVP, you're in the Super Bowl and you're like, hey, man, we'll take our chances with Von Miller because we simply cannot let Aaron Donald even come close to going up against one man, let alone two. Donald finished the game with eight pressures, two sacks. He was a constant menace on that defensive line. And, you know, the Bengals had six pressures as a team altogether the whole game. Aaron Donald had eight on his own. And this is the story of Aaron Donald. He is an incredibly difficult player to explain outside of the fact of just saying that he has to be accounted for for every single moment of a game. And that's been that way for almost his entire career. Joe Burrow averaged two seconds to throw in this game, his shortest throwing window of the season, even for someone who already had to throw the ball quickly and get it out of his hands quickly all season long. It had never been more difficult for him. That is on Aaron Donald. This was also not a great Jalen Ramsey game. He had a he, he did not have one of his better performances. So without Jalen Ramsey really fully pulling his weight, Aaron Donald and, and, and Von Miller and that full pass rush up, up front 
that was as important as anything happening on the field on either side of the ball in that game. Every time the Rams should have been able to get five or six yards, they got three or four instead because of Aaron Donald. Every time they should have been able to convert a short conversion on third or fourth and one, they couldn't because of Aaron Donald. And yes, and also Von Miller, but it really, the you know, everybody knows that, that it starts and ends with the amount of coverage and attention that Aaron Donald pulls from everybody else on the defensive line because of how dynamic and quick he is off of that line and how athletic he is. It's, you cannot leave even an inch for him to squeeze through. He's so powerful. And it was a constant cloud hanging over the Bengals offense. Let's be honest. In the grand scheme of things, neither offense was executing very well. This is not a game we will remember for either offense executing at a high level. Essentially, there were a couple big plays for the Rams that put them in good position, and they had that crazy final drive, lots of penalties, uncalled ball start on the Rams offense, lots of little things, a 15-play drive that ended up in that second Cooper Cup touchdown, and you know someone was going to score to win the game, right? But... There was still plenty of time left on the clock for Joe Burrow to get one of the best kickers in the NFL this season in field goal range, tie that game and take it into overtime. And who stopped the Bengals from being able to do that? You guessed it, Aaron Donald. And it started before that, obviously, like there was a lot of there was a lot of really big moments from Donald in this game. Um, Obviously, the final third and fourth down conversions by the Bengals that Aaron Donald had a hand in on both of those plays. Those were huge, but it really started um, after that interception that Matthew Stafford threw to Skoronek, giving the Bengals the ball on the 31-yard line, on the LA 31-yard line. This is a breakdown that was written by on Pro Football Talk, and I just want to kind of go through it because this will give you a really good idea of what they were doing with these potentially momentum-swinging drives. So we talked about after that inter- interception, The Bengals have the ball in the LA 31 and a touchdown would have given the Bengals a double digit lead. And then you're in trouble, right? Because the Rams really weren't be able to get things going offensively. Losing Odell Beckham Jr. It it changed a lot for what the Rams plan to do scheme wise. And, you know, they're already without their tight end. Like this is already kind of a DEFCON one for the Rams offense. And they're staring down the barrel of potentially going down two scores. Aaron Donald uh, gets his first sack of the game on the second play at that drive, forcing the Bengals to face third and 11. They converted with a 10-yard pass and, and uh, an impressive 18-yard scramble on fourth of one by Burrow and reestablished the momentum. Aaron Donald comes at it again. And with the Bengals at the 11 and needing three yards on third down for a first and goal, Donald got Burrow again. It forced a field goal that kept the margin to a more psychologically manageable seven points. If the Bengals had scored on that drive, the rest of the game is a completely different ballgame. People in the stadium said that the sense after that interception, when the Bengals got the ball back in LA territory, very close to the red zone, There was physical sense in the stadium that the momentum had completely shifted to the Bengals. Now, Cooper Cup's on the sideline. Matt Stafford's on the sideline. Once again, this is back to the heart and soul of that Rams defense, the heart and soul of what they've been doing and building for for the last four or five years. And he comes up. And again, he came up when the Bengals had a chance to tie it and send that game to overtime. He came up again and again, and all the little things, all the little plays that the Bengals were never able to make, 
that's because of Aaron Donald. And I have no problem with honoring what Cooper Cup did this season. One of the great wide receiver performances we've seen in the 21st century, like a truly astounding player and really stepped up for that offense, especially on that final drive. Um, But he was mostly a player who made his impact toward the end of the fourth quarter, right? You know, the two, the two touchdowns can be misleading. Like the touchdowns had to go to somebody. And I'm not saying, I'm not taking away from the fact that Cooper cup can get open and make plays where they should not exist. That incredible throw by Matthew Stafford into Cooper cup and he was in triple coverage. It was an absolute dagger there. They make some beautiful plays together, but again, goes back to the point that this game for the Rams was not an offensive performance that got them to the promised land. It was their defense that bailed them out that made sure they secured that win because a coin flip with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on the other side of that ball, they get the wrong side of that coin flip and it's done. And so I don't necessarily think that it's, it makes any sense to give the offense the MVP. Cooper Cup was absolutely the best player on the Rams offense, but the Rams offense was not the most important unit for the Rams in that game. It was the defense and the best player on that defense was Aaron Donald. So here's where we come back around to our issues with understanding how defense works in the NFL and really appreciating what exactly these defenses are, are contributing because we also saw really good defense from the Bengals all postseason, you know, and I haven't even watched, you know, heading into the playoffs, I hadn't even watched enough Bengals to fully understand whether I should, you know, put respect on the Bengals defense or not. And I've come to realize I should have, but we know the respect that we owed Aaron Donald and the Rams defense and what Raheem Morris was able to do schematically against Joe Burrow. And, and I believe that the media and the broadcast are doing a massive disservice, like I said, to casual fans and even hardcore fans by not talking more during the game about what players like Aaron Donald are doing to affect every single snap, every single down. What Donald does specifically, because he's such a unique player, it's a yard-by-yard basis, whole game for 15 minutes a quarter for four quarters. It's not boring. He is a physical freak of nature. He is an athlete of the highest level in this league we should not be having a difficult time talking about what he does and talking about it starting in the broadcast booth starting with collinsworth and al michaels starting going down to the sidelines going down to the people who are on twitter covering game down to the people who are live reporting it everything it's all on us to start understanding and talking about this stuff so that because after the game you know, so many of the more casual fans were like, of course it's Cooper Cup. And thought I was, truly thought I was crazy for suggesting that it be Aaron Donald. But the people who watch football to, to a truly maniacal degree, who cover it and have been in the trenches talking about these games for years and years, every those people, they agree that it should have been Donald. And so there's a huge gap between the real hardcore football people and the fans. And there shouldn't be one. There really shouldn't be one because it's actually not that hard. And I know fans would absolutely be able to grasp how important he was to that game. If the people telling them about the game and explaining it to them were doing their jobs fully. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. 
Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds to the Olympic coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, we've transitioned so far into only crediting offenses that in a game where the Rams offense couldn't run the ball, the Bengals couldn't run the ball, there were Stafford through two interceptions, there was so much inefficiency, and you gave the wide receiver the MVP. Come on. He had nothing to do with stopping that momentum after Matt Stafford's pick. He had nothing to do with stopping Joe Burrow from going down the field. And part of me feels like the people who vote for the MVP and who decided that it was Cooper Cup, a lot of this is because, number one, they don't respect defense as much as they should. They don't respect what Aaron Donald does at the defensive tackle position, which is essentially unmatched by any other player in the history of the league. Um, and they don't respect Joe Burrow enough to think that this was actually a pretty tall task, which is interesting to me because Joe Burrow was able to take down the Raiders, the number one seeded Titans and the Kansas city chiefs in Kansas city. And he looks like a different player and he was struggling a lot more in this game. And I don't know how you don't see why that is put some respect on Joe Burrow's name because he can change a game in a heartbeat. And he, there was a strong chance he could have done that. Now, did Zach Taylor kind of screw them a little bit with deciding to put Samaji Pirine in instead of Joe Mixon on those third down? Yes, yes, it was dumb. We'll talk about Zach Taylor. But show some respect for what Joe Burrow was able to do to basically everybody else he ran up on in this postseason until he ran up on Aaron Donald and then Von Miller and what they were doing to throw him up. I mean, throw, do you understand how hard it is to get the ball out in two seconds over and over and over again, we got to do better. Got to do better in the booth. We got to do better on the sidelines. We got to do better on social media. Talking about a player like that, because if he does retire this season, even if he doesn't, even if it's in the next one or two seasons, whatever it may be, he was the best player in that game. He was the best player in that game. Statistically, he was the best player in that game. I test wise. I really don't want to take anything away from Cooper cup, an incredibly special receiver. So fun to watch. But that was Aaron Donald's game, and I'm not, and I cannot let it go. That stuff coming up. The next thing I want to talk about is Matt Stafford and how we discuss his legacy post this game because it wasn't the best statistical game for Matt Stafford. Um, and he hasn't, you know, it's not like every single post playoff game we've been like, holy crap, look at what he can do, whatever. Uh, huge plays, huge moments, what he was able to do against the Buccaneers to win that game and that final possession again with Cooper Cup. Like this is stuff that we know Jared Goff couldn't do. And yes, they made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. We saw how that went and we saw how the next seasons went. And um, there was obviously a cap on what they were going to be able to accomplish with him at quarterback. They, they raised their ceiling dramatically when they brought in Matt Stafford, who has been a statistically dominant quarterback for a long time, prolific. Lots of touchdowns, lots of yardage, and also known for game-winning drives, which he got another one again last night. No surprise. There should not be any surprise. Matt Stafford does have that sort of do-or-die mentality, and there is, yes, a little bit of Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, like 
I'm going to throw the ball in risky situations, potentially throw picks, but I'm also, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you at some point and you better be ready defensively to make me pay for it. Cause if you're not, we're going to win the game. And that's the kind of quarterback that Matt Stafford is. And um, I do feel like coming out of the game, there are some people who are, you know, there's a, there's some people who are talking about maybe this guy's a, a hall of famer now. And I'm willing to have that conversation. Absolutely. Uh, look at where he is in the record books and tell me we, we don't have to have that discussion. You can't go through the record books for quarterbacks right now and not talk about Matt Stafford, him coming out of Detroit, coming to a stacked Rams team and winning the Super Bowl in his first year with a new team. Again, very Tom Brady. Obviously Tom Brady was going from a basically the opposite situation, uh, the greatest, most prolific dynasty in the history of the NFL and then goes to his tag team, wins the Super Bowl. Obviously, Matt Stafford, you know, he came from the worst team in the NFL, really, over the course of history, and does the same thing. So really, like, cool sort of competing narratives on either end of the spectrum. But it's really exciting. It's exciting to see the evolution of the quarterback position in that way and how they're able to move through the league and change franchises. And this is, you know... This is certainly a uh, a huge step forward for the Rams. We're going to talk about how big of a step forward um, when we get sort of into the, the future outlook for the Rams. But I think it's just important to realize that what Matt Stafford did for the team is broader than just on a game-by-game basis. You know, great QBs elevate teams in unseen ways. Their ability to execute the offensive uh, vision for a team, number one, right? And we don't, you know, we think we can see that all the time, but, but a lot of ways we, we can't always see what goes into that, the little things and how difficult that really is. You know, the inevitability of uh, the big plays and the game winning drives and somebody who has seen it all in this league rising to the occasion, even when they haven't had the best game, that inevitable feeling that they're going to do it. That's when you go get a guy like Matt Stafford. And that's what, like I said, that's what elevates him and separates him from the averages, from the, just the, from the Jared Goffs and the Jimmy Garoppolo's and the guys who sort of like, they make Super Bowls, but they're just, you know, you can see with your eyes that they're just not the same types of guys. I love that this season played out the way that it did for Matt Stafford. He didn't turn into a new quarterback. He didn't become a new guy, but you know who did become an elevated next level performer is his best wide receiver, Cooper cup. You know, he, we talked a lot over the years about what Tom Brady did for guys like Randy Moss and even Julian Edelman, how they, how he helped to elevate their careers and bring them to their best. And that's absolutely what Matt Stafford did for Cooper cup. He also helped do it for Odell Beckham jr. Who got the hell out of the purgatory of Cleveland with Baker Mayfield and came back, and had he been able to play the entire game, maybe he would have been in contention for uh, Super Bowl MVP. Finally got Odell Beckham a well-earned title and, and elevated his ability to play. He's elevated a lot of the players around him. And he made Andrew Whitworth's final season um, at left tackle a potentially uh, easier one by being able to operate so much better behind center. So in a world of truly exceptional, over-the-top performances by quarterbacks, Uh, like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and even, you know, uh, peak Lamar Jackson when he's operating in a healthy way, uh, peak Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. I think we lose sight of how important it is to have a guy like Matt Stafford who's just naturally talented and has for a very long time since coming out of high school through college and into the NFL 
elevated the players around him. Hot stuff coming up. Okay, so moving on to where the Bengals go from here, this is tough because losing the Super Bowl is a really hard pill to swallow for teams. The Rams and Sean McVay are a very good reminder of that. He's talked about how hard it was to bounce back from that. So was Zach Taylor, who was on the coaching staff of that team. And, you know, I have to be honest. I don't think that the Bengals are going to make a deep playoff run next year. I think there's some stuff to work out. This was somewhat a season of destiny for them to make it this far. And they are going to regress a little bit there. They have to obviously address some gaping holes on the offensive line. They don't have to do an entire overhaul, but they've got to get a lot better. They have to address some of their play calling issues and utilizing the run game and big games. Or it's like, there's all these little holes that they have to fill. But I think the future of the Bengals lies in making some really difficult decisions about what they do with their coaching. Because I have to be honest, Zach Taylor is not going to cut it for Joe Burrow. A second-year quarterback doing as much play calling as he's doing. Listen, I am incredibly impressed by it. And I think that it's great that some of these players are able to take the reins that way. But he needs more guidance. He needs more help. He, he shouldn't be doing that, you know, as often as he is. You know, Joe Burrow is a bona fide star. He's He is a cold-blooded killer out there. But making it back to a Super Bowl for the rest of his career, let alone in the next couple of years, is not a given. You know, he can ask Dan Marino about that. And Dan Marino had the winningest, winningest NFL head coach of all time. You know, he can ask Aaron Rodgers how easy it is get, to get back to a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been back to a Super Bowl since 2010. He can ask Drew Brees how easy it is to get back to a Super Bowl. He went to one Super Bowl in his career. That was in 2009. He can ask Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning got out of his career by the skin of his teeth with two Super Bowls because he was, you know, that was, he was physically degenerating rapidly. He did not have another season left in him. So thankfully, thanks to Von Miller and that defense and uh, their extremely talented, explosive players on that offense, including um, the late, great Demarius Thomas, you know, it, it Peyton Manning was very close to ending his career with one Super Bowl. It is not easy. And I saw absolutely nothing from Zach Taylor in the Super Bowl that makes me feel like he is the guy that's going to lead this team into a new generation of success and uh, change the, the entire narrative of the Bengals in the way that they should be able to do with a guy as potentially generational as Joe Burrow. They can't stick with the status quo. And you know, Zach Taylor made very few interesting adjust adjustments in that game. Couldn't get the run game going. Him putting P. Ryan in on that third down conversion, not being able to convert on third or fourth and one. Uh, there were just a lot of mistakes. And I know that we could do this with every coach that loses the Super Bowl, right? Um, but first of all, the Rams tried to lose that game a couple of times. And I'm not saying they didn't deserve the win. They did. But uh, this was not a, this was not a, uh, a, high flying dynamic game and Zach Taylor had plenty of opportunities to take the game by the reins and couldn't do it. You know, some of this is also like colored by just the eye test. He looks so disengaged from the game, even on the sideline. Um, and I do think that long-term he is not the guy who's going to lead Joe Burrow and the Bengals to the promised land. I think it's all well and good to make a Super Bowl. You know, lots of okay coaches have made the Super Bowl and either lost or sometimes even won. But it's not good enough for to have a quarterback like Joe Burrow to just make the playoffs, you know, most years and end up um, in, you know, 
Andrew Luck and Colts territory. I just, you know, we who no one wants to see that. No one wants to see Andrew Luck 2.0 with Joe Burrow. And I think that unless the coach becomes a new person overnight, we may be looking at that. I know it is so crazy to say that a coach who took this team to the Super Bowl, a team like the Bengals, um, is not good enough for them long term. But part of the reason I think he's not good enough for them long term is because this postseason for the Bengals was so somewhat fluky. They just got some really good matchups. And I think their defensive coordinator, Luana Rumo, is not getting enough credit for what he did with that defense. I think it's not debatable how important he was to this run. Um, it felt like a Joe Burrow, Big Lou collaboration and that Zach Taylor was often on the ride for. And when you look around the AFC and you see the type of coach player combinations that he's going to be up against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Jim Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, McDermott and Josh Allen. We'll see what happens with Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. Zach Taylor's just not on that level. He's just not, he's not the guy. So I don't know. Maybe it's a hot take. I don't know. You guys discuss amongst yourselves. I know most of my uh, football colleagues agree that Zach Taylor ain't it. So. Shall we? On the flip side, the future for the Rams. Now, this is really interesting because they leveraged their entire future to build this team, to get to this point and win this game. And they did it. It, they, it is objectively a success. Tra they don't have a first round pick until the late 2020s. They have so put so much capital, so much immediacy into winning this title now. Understandably so. Stan Kroenke, obviously, coming in and building that $7 billion complex, um, becoming the hub of the NFL and uh, sports entertainment, you know, it and just like entertainment in general. Um, you know, they, there was an urgency to create a real legacy for the Los Angeles Rams and establish them. And they've obviously done that to the best they possibly can, to the degree they possibly can. But the future is interesting because like we talked about, we don't know where Aaron Donald stands. Obviously a key piece of that team building itself over the last near decade. They have a nice young Cooper Cup. They've got a good couple of young players, but Matt Stafford isn't getting any younger. Who knows how long it is going to be there again. <laughs> They don't have the picks to go get another guy or something to be ha happen to Matt, whether he decides to retire in the next few years or whatever else. They don't have the capital to go get another guy quite yet. Um, we don't know what the future holds for Von Miller or for Odell Beckham Jr. We just found out that he tore his ACL in the game on Sunday, which is awful. So they still have some pieces that are come back. I do still think they'll be competitive, but do I think that they're in a place to potentially make another Super Bowl run? In the next year or two? No, I don't. You know, I really, really don't. And they do not have, you know, one Super Bowl ain't going to get you the fan base that you want to establish yourself a real foothold in the NFL elite. I think in order to create a real deep rooted legacy for the Rams in LA, the way that they really want to, you need sustained regular success over the course of three, four or five years. You know, one Super Bowl for Philadelphia, that, that, that'll do it. You only need you only need one for the fans in Philly. They're hardcore fans. They've been around for generations. They're not going anywhere. They'll live off of one ring for a long time. Rams? I mean, you're going to have some of these bandwagon fans drop off real quick if you go back down to win, you know, uh, ten games, ten and seven, and going in and losing a wild card round or a divisional round game. You're just not going to be able to sustain it. 
So what you really need to build up a real hardcore fan base and to potentially become the team that you want to be long-term is sustained success. And I do wonder if that's if it's even possible with where they've positioned themselves with their draft capital and everything else at this point. I do think that's something to watch, you know? I mean, a team like the Bengals, who have this really hardcore fan base, traveled really, really well to LA, they're going to be okay. They have their star. They are locked in for as long as Joe Burrow is there. Zach Taylor or no Zach Taylor, they're locked in. They, the Rams don't have that. This was like, this was an all-star team and they were awesome. Um, Matt Stafford is great. And I do think he can play for a while longer now, but a while is maybe three, four five years um, if you're lucky, right? And outside of that, like you can't build a team around Cooper Cup. Like he can't be your star. That's just not how teams work in the NFL in 2022. He can be a star. He can be, a, he can be everybody's favorite player, but you can't build a franchise around a wide receiver. And if you don't have a plan on how to sort of keep this ball rolling, this one, the Matt Stafford, Sean McVay, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald ball rolling for at least another couple of years, I'm not sure the Rams are going to be where they want to be and where Stan Kroenke wants them to be in the next three or four years. I think that that this may have been the mountaintop, but I am excited to see how the offseason plays out and, and how where they go from here because they are so interesting. Both those teams are so interesting because they built themselves up so so completely different. You know, the Bengals struck gold a couple of times and here they are in the Super Bowl. The Rams spent absolutely everything they had to get here. They win the game. Um, so that'll be a fascinating to watch. And now that the Super Bowl is over and it's officially the offseason, it's going to be draft time and looking to see what teams do to build themselves into the future. And AFC is incredibly competitive right now. I think it's a, in, a, in a much better spot competition-wise than the NFC. Um, that is the one thing the Rams have going for them is the NFC is still a little murky. We're not sure where the Niners are going to stand next year. We're not sure where Russell Wilson's going <laughs> Kyler Murray has now decided that he's not sure what he wants to do. He's playing some weird game in Arizona. Aaron Rodgers' future, as per usual, is up in the air. You know, the Cowboys seem to still be unable to find the solutions to their fatal flaws. And so, you know, maybe maybe the Rams are able to eke out of the NFC just because of that. But they better hope Trey Lance doesn't turn into the next generational quarterback. Because if that's the case, they're screwed. This is what we do it for, right? This is, it's, I was all for Sunday and uh, I had a blast. I've had a blast talking to you guys about the season this year. We started out with so much Mac Jones and Cam Newton drama and we've come so far. We've come so far. I'm rooting for young Mac. I'm ready to go into a, a sophomore season and see him rise to the occasion. We've got months and months to talk about that. See what Bill Belichick does to build that team around the young star. They've got uh, all kinds of coaching vacancies to fill. So, you know, while the Super Bowl is over and we are into the offseason, uh, we will not lack things to talk about over the next few months. And I look forward to doing that with you. Thank you and have a great week. And I will talk to you again soon. Bye.